are Locked On Packers. I feel like we can run the table. We really do. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Floats it. Your team. Oh, every day. Touchdown. You are Locked On Packers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski. I cover the Packers for The Leap. A newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. You can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. Thanks to everyone who makes Locked on Packers their first listen of the day. If you want to tweet about us, would love for you to use the hashtag first listen when you do it so everyone knows you start your day with Locked on Packers as I do because here I am. I mean, I'm I'm here with you guys whenever you are, which is the great part of it. But those of you who start your day, finish your day, wherever you are, you're there with me. And that's that's the fun part of this. I get to be there with you whenever you're listening to the show. And Lily Zhao is on the show today. We have an early Holiday, how you doing on a Tuesday? The club going up on a Tuesday because Lily is here with us. We'll do our crossover on Wednesday, our live show on Friday, no show on Thursday. So expert Tuesday, we get to uh, defenestrate that one, throw it out the window, and we get to just enjoy Thanksgiving on Thursday. And and I think that is a, a good place to be for our show This week, before we get to Lily, and this is, I think, an important discussion here because as we come out of the Vikings game, there is going to be plenty of consternation about this defense. And I went back and watched the game again last night, as I often do. Especially after a loss, after a win, I'm I'm less inclined to do the immediate rewatch. I'll you know go through a process. I have my own uh, rituals here when it comes to uh, the, uh, the the breakdowns of these games. But after a loss, I'm more inclined to go. Okay, let me try and figure out what's going on here. What happened? Where did things go wrong? And how can the Packers make it right moving forward? And I went back and watched, and I just went. You know, the defense played a lot better than it seemed like they did in real time. And the reason it seemed that way is because the 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 Vikings made a ton of plays on third down. Their first scoring drive was set up on a third and six with pressure in Kirk Cousins' face. He makes a spectacular throw down the field to Justin Jefferson to set up that field goal. With the Vikings leading 10-3 on third and goal from the 10, after the Packers miss a field goal, it it could have been 10-6. The Vikings make it 16-3, third and goal from the 10. That's third and long. Third and goal from the 10 is third and long. Okay, the Packers, they get back in the game. It's 16-10 at halftime. The Vikings get the ball coming out of halftime. They go down and they make it 23-10 on third and goal from the nine. Third and nine is third and long. And they make the play. Vikings trailing 24-23. 
They make it 34 or 31 24 with a third down conversion from the 23 yard line. Another third down. They scored three touchdowns on third down and had a field goal set up by a monster third down conversion. That is a ton, a metric ton of variance. If the Packers are able to get a stop on any one of those plays, maybe they win the game. So the Vikings fans are upset that I have said the Vikings needed a lot of things to go right. They needed to catch a lot of lucky breaks to win this game. And and you have Vikings fans like, well, but what about the play that they ran CJ Ham on third and one? It's like, yeah, that's just a dumb play. That's not a lucky play or an unlucky play. That's just a dumb play call. <laughs> like sometimes you call a dumb play. Well, what about the what about the missed extra point? Yeah, the, your kicker has missed kicks all year. What about the what about the missed extra point? Like some of this stuff is just stupid. Third down variance is not going to show up over and over and over again. As we talked about on Sunday. This is not a sustainable way to win football games. Converting a bunch of third downs is not a a, a sustainable way to win. And that makes this win particularly uh, eyebrow raise worthy because you go, okay, yeah, they, they deserve those points because they scored them. That's the point of football. If you score the points, they're yours. You get them. You deserve them. You scored them. But are they being scored in sustainable ways over time? And if you're the if you're the Packers and you're trying to project forward, okay, how did this team play? What did they look like? What the situation is? Giving up a bunch of third downs. Those are single plays that if they are flipped, and I'm not talking about shot plays and and fluke plays. Third down conversions are highly variable, game to game. Possession to possession, year to year. Even the Packers with Aaron Rodgers, they're not great on third down every year. Even the the Patriots or the Buccaneers with Tom Brady, they're not third. They're not great on third down every year or every game. These things are highly variable, and and sports fans push back when I use and and when people in the analytics community use use phrases like luck, red zone luck, turnover luck, fumble luck, but but that's what it is. It's luck. These are things that the ball bounces just the right way. The ball bounces right back to Aaron Rodgers. That's luck. The ball bounces right back to Kirk Cousins or his offensive lineman. That's luck. Adam Thielen gets just enough of Darnell Savage on a terrible decision in play to avoid interception. That's luck. Turnover, luck. That's a real thing. And third down variance, red zone variance, That stuff over time is going to even out. And I don't mean even out in the way that like every number regresses to the mean over time. Like if any coach coached a thousand games, they're unlikely to win 700 of them. They're probably going to be right in that 500 range just because over time regression hits everyone. That's just the nature of the beast. But this game is not unlike For example, the uh, not the 49er game, the Buccaneer game from last year where you just go, yeah, a bunch of weird stuff happened. Now, I think that game was indicative of a matchup problem. By the way, the Packers got blown out in that game. 
this game required a bunch of luck by the Vikings to still barely win. And this is, as I've said many times, a better than their record indicates Vikings team. Another point in favor of this idea of a little bit of flukiness, a little bit of luck. This is via uh, Next Gen Stats. Kirk Cousins under pressure in this game. 7 of 13, not a great completion percentage, but 7 for 13, for a buck 49 and two touchdowns. He had a plus 8 EPA, the fourth best in a game this season under pressure. So Kirk Cousins just had one of the best under pressure games of the season. He was pressured on 40.5% of his dropbacks. This is a stat I dropped in the Leap newsletter uh, yesterday and one that we talked about after the game in our live stream on YouTube. Go subscribe on YouTube. To put that into a little bit of perspective, that is more pressure. That is more pressure than the Buccaneers got on Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl last year. That pressure rate. And yet, Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins sliced up that pressure when Patrick Mahomes couldn't. Okay? If this game is played 10 times, the Vikings score 30 points one time. Maybe, maybe two, because in, in one of those 10, the defense makes some plays, which they didn't really do in this game. So add this in the category of things that are not sustainable. Quarterbacks are not great under pressure by and large. And we have really good data on this. Even the best quarterbacks get worse under pressure. All of them, all of the time, over time, get worse under pressure. That is just how this works. Let me give you a great example. So this season, under pressure, and I'm going to take every quarterback just for fun, just to just to show you how this works. The top quarterbacks by passer rating, a flawed stat, under pressure this season. Brian Hoyer, Chad Henney, Kyler Murray, Teddy Bridgewater, Joe Flacco, Brandon Allen, Colt McCoy, Trevor Simeon, Josh Allen, Jimmy Garoppolo. Taysom Hill right after that. Mason Rudolph a little bit further down, down the list. Let's just, let's just... Tighten that up a little. So let's just say people with 100 dropbacks. Okay. Passer rating under pressure. The top six guys because we have ties. Teddy Bridgewater, Josh Allen, Matt Ryan, Jalen Hurts, Kirk Cousins, Daniel Jones, Justin Herbert. Teddy Bridgewater leads the league in passer rating under pressure. His passer rating under pressure is 92 Point five, no regular starter has a passer rating over 100 under pressure. Okay, now let's flip to the other. This is all, all this data is via pro football focus. When kept clean, when kept clean, the top passers in the league, Kirk Cousins, by the way, Dak Prescott, Derek Carr, Joe Burrow, Carson Wentz, Patrick Mahomes, 
Justin Herbert, Teddy Bridgewater, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Mac Jones. All of them have passer ratings over 100. All of them. So this is this is one of those things where you just say, okay, you get worse under pressure. Everyone does except Kirk Cousins made a bunch of plays in this game. And if you if you reduce this a little bit because uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers missed a game, Aaron Rodgers leads the league in passer rating when kept clean, just ahead of Kirk Cousins. So why am I bringing all this up? Well, there's there are going to be people who wonder. There are certainly going to be Packer fans who wonder, and there are certainly. Viking fans who are taking their victory lap going, oh, the the Packers defense got lit up. No, it didn't. No, it didn't. Because they created a pressure rate of almost 41% on Kirk Cousins. He made a couple throws. I mean, that was the difference. He made a couple throws. And even without Jair Alexander, Zadarius Smith, Rashawn Gary, all the guys that this defense is missing, Green Bay was... A, a, a dropped interception, uh, an interception called back on penalty, and a third interception that had to be broken up by your your Pro Bowl receiver into double coverage, and at least one other one that Eric Stokes probably could have had if he gets his head around a little bit faster. Any one of those goes differently, and you lose this football game. That this is this is what I'm saying. So. It took a lot of luck for the Vikings to win this game. Now they won it. They're not going to give it back. But I don't I'm not worried about this defense because of one game, because of a bunch of variants, because they did what they're supposed to do. Pressure Kirk Cousins. And Kirk Cousins did what he is supposed to do and that is play well in the face of pressure. The thing is, most quarterbacks can't do it. Aaron Rodgers has been terrible under pressure this year. Tom Brady won a Super Bowl last year as one of the worst quarterbacks, starting quarterbacks in the league under pressure last season. So this is not a sustainable way for the Packers to continue to lose football games because if they continue to pressure quarterbacks at this rate, they're going to win. If the Vikings play this game 10 times and have a pressure rate of 40.5%, 10 times, they score 30 once. And, and if we're really like being statistical about it, maybe like half a time. And this was the game that had to get rounded up to one so that they could do it. I'm not worried about the Packers defense. I don't think you should be worried about the Packers defense. That said, uh, we don't know when Zadarius Smith is coming back, if at all. We don't know when Jerry Alexander is coming back, if at all. And we, we did get confirmation Alan Jenkins is out for the year. Ian Rappaport reported David Bakhtiari is going to be back, or they hope he can be back in December. I said this on Twitter. The Packers right now, as they stand today, are NFC contenders. Shortlist contenders. It's the Bucs, it's the Rams, the Cardinals, it's the Packers, it's the Cowboys. Healthy. Bakhtiari gets back. Zedarius gets back. J.R. Alexander gets back. They should. Should. I don't use that. I don't like to use that word a lot. Should. Deserve to be, how about that? Deserve to be the favorites. Yes, the favorites. It's Thanksgiving and we all know what that means. Football, and nothing goes better with football than turkey and betting. Maybe a little gravy, a little mashed potatoes too. BetOnline has you covered all holiday season, like gravy, with props, odds, lines, 
They have more than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all your sports action this Thanksgiving. Head to the new updated website on your mobile or desktop and sign up today to get a 50% welcome bonus with the promo code locked on. It's not just football. Bet Online is pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, even your favorite Las Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet Online, we're stuffed with deals. With Thanksgiving. All right, the streak was short-lived. It was a one-game streak, but there is always next week to start the streak again in the NFL, and we are at that next week point. Joining me now from Fox 6, Lily Zhao. And Lily, got some some bad injury news, but the offense is clicking. A uh, lot to talk about here. Zhao, you doing? Hey, Peter. Um, you know, as they say every week, got to go 1-0. So, you know what? New new week for the Green Bay Packers and for us. And uh, feeling good despite uh, just a lot of crazy things happening in Wisconsin. So, how you doing? I'm pretty good. And and I, I am a little remiss that I did not mention on yesterday's show uh, what happened in Waukesha. Um, just our our thoughts and, and prayers are with those people and, and that community. Um, my wife actually used to walk in that parade and perform in that parade. So um, that hit particularly close to home uh, for, for us. And and um, the Locked On Packers community is absolutely with those people right now. To the business of football, which I understand can seem a little superfluous uh, in in the wake of of that very real and and tragic situation. Um, when you when you think back at this game, there's a lot to unpack, right? Thirty four, thirty one, the the kick at the end, but the offense got hot and the defense hmm, didn't look great. Of what are the what are your what was your big takeaway from this game? Was it whether it's the offense or the defense in terms of, hey, the good stuff or the bad stuff? Well, I would say the good stuff is that um, I think we've been talking about it all season. It's when is this offense going to start clicking? And yeah. they still don't have Aaron Jones. He'll be out for a couple of weeks. So when he is back and incorporated, I think it just adds another level to this offense. But we finally kind of saw them get really comfortable there in the fourth quarter. And that's, I think the offense we all expected to see early in the season, considering the success that they had all of last year. So that was one big takeaway. And, uh, you know, the injury news is, is kind of the bummer here because, you know, you're talking about David Bakhtiari potentially coming back in December, going to have Elton with him and that's not going to happen. So it's just a tough blow for him. I know he's such a good, good guy and a versatile player and it just stinks for him that, he gets hurt when he gets hurt because next season's also in jeopardy for him. So it's just not a good deal all around there. Um, but if you're looking at the positives, it's that the uh, offense looked like they took another gear there in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And, and if you're going to look at this glass half full, it would be that the offense and the offensive line has been fine to this point in the season. And if you get David Bakhtiari back relatively quickly, the, the report from me and Rappaport, on uh, on Monday morning was they expect him sometime in December. Well, okay, no Rams game, then the bye. We're in December, so that would that would make some sense. Then you're just putting in David Bakhtiari, where Alton Jenkins was, and the offensive line stays about the same. That's still a pretty good group. On the other hand, you don't get to improve the left guard spot. You don't get to potentially improve the right guard spot. So there is a trickle down effect here, to be sure. Offensively. What what do you think keyed this run for the Packers? I think it was 
when we were kind of looking at this game and, and granted they were in penalty situations. So it was always like first mm. and 20 second and long so it's like yes, it was. football. I think the carries had to improve, but I think the creativity there yeah. is kind of what really got things going. You know, the Cobbs pitch to Dylan, I think really kind of set things off EQ with a good play there. It's, I think the misdirection, all that stuff that we're used to seeing, it was kind of lacking in the first three quarters and they finally did it. And it was like, Oh wait, this is why we're good at football and offense when we can do these things. So I think that really was the key there. And, you know, just kind of Rogers getting the ball out quick, even though that, you know, the Vikings uh, defensive line really had the Packers number for a while there, but uh I think just what they were able to do, just kind of getting back to the roots of Packers offensive football under LaFleur is kind of what uh, I think set things apart there late. I love that point because I have been saying all season that the, the Packers offense looks the best when it most closely resembles the way Matt LaFleur wants to play. And when Rodgers wants to play the McCarthy style or he wants to go a little hero ball, hold the ball and, and try and get the ball down the field, that's when the offense falls apart. Now, that being said, he threw two, two touchdowns on hero ball stuff, right? So you, you, you have the blend. That's what makes Rogers so good is if you run the offense and then the offense needs that jolt, he can do that, but you need him the other 90% of the plays to be, to be playing in rhythm. And once he found that rhythm, I mean, next gen stats had the, had the note on it. He was unbelievable when quote in rhythm, two and a half seconds to four seconds. Um, one of the one of the best um EPAs on in rhythm throws in the next gen sports era. So he's still he's still playing at a really high level. It just I think we we expected the offense to to look a little bit different. On the other side of the ball, Lily, defensively. Uh, it, it it was really hard to to have strong takes coming out of this game for me after I rewatched it because I'm going. They pressured the crap out of Kirk Cousins, and he just made a lot of great plays. Justin Jefferson made a bunch of plays, and sometimes that's going to happen. That was sort of the way that I that I felt coming out of it. Did you feel like the the defense played drastically differently? I don't think so. And and you know having Rashawn Gary not in the game will of course not help, but. Also having Jair not play. I mean, he was a big key and really bottling up Justin Jefferson the last time they faced each other. And and having a guy like him out, I mean, we we know that, you know, that big crazy play that Jair had in the backfield of last year, right? Um, yeah. we don't have that. And and you know, Eric Stokes is a rookie. He's gonna make those rookie mistakes. He has not been good at tracking the football. If he had a couple times, could have been a pick or two. And and you just have to think that with a game like that, it just was not the Packers day. I mean, they had some takeaways they should have gotten and they didn't. And it just kind of was like, Oh, it's just not going to happen today. But if you think that they'd made a pick or two and cause Kirk cousins was giving it away sometimes and Kingsley Kiki doesn't have that roughing the passer penalty. This could be a different ball game. And so I think they were still kind of playing the same, but not being able to cover Justin Jefferson was a problem. And that really cost him. Yeah, not being able to cover arguably the best non-Devontae Adams receiver in the league tends to be a problem. We asked this in our Monday newsletter on The Leap, and and Jason Hirshhorn and I had different answers. Now, part of that is for the content, but I'm going to ask you. Of the guys that we think could be back this season, so like Elton Jenkins, not in the mix. Big Bob Tunyon, not in the mix. They're not going to be back. Of the group of guys on IR who could come back or who are on the roster but are not healthy, who do you think is most vital to this team's Super Bowl chances? Oh, man, that's a good question. Oh, I mean, I, I feel like a lot of people would say David. 
Mm-hmm. Elton is not going to be able to play. Jason um, said David Bakhtiari. I did not. Uh, I know Zadarius would be another big piece if they can get him back. Ooh, that's a good question. Um, so I said Bakhtiari. I think. I think okay. Him. Yeah. Go ahead. No, I was going to say him because if you if you think about, I guess, the quality of opponents that they're going to have, the Rams. I mean, he's not going to play there, but. When you're looking at playoff season, it's if you're not going to protect Aaron Rodgers, if you can't run the football, you're in trouble. So I think having him up front to really fortify that left side is is going to help. So I think David Bakhtiari is the intuitive answer. And and it's probably the one, if you ask me the question that I would give, but, and maybe this is, this is recency bias on my part. It was hard for me to watch this game on Sunday and not think the answer is Jair Alexander, because think about how different this game would have been if you have 23 opposite Justin Jefferson and you've got Eric Stokes opposite Adam Thielen instead of Kevin King. Kevin King, you can staple to the bench and say, just hang out there, wear your jacket and and stand by the heaters. And it, it just feels like the game would have been 10 points different. I mean, I know a cornerback is generally not worth that much, but it just felt like that would have been the difference in this game because of, of how it played out. And when I think about the Rams, OBJ, Cooper Cup, you need two corners. The, the Buccaneers, if Antonio Brown is back, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, you need at least two corners, if not three. The, the Cardinals, if DeAndre Hopkins is back, you need two or three corners. Like, I just feel like Aaron Rodgers... You have to trust him to be able to handle the pressure and to be able to get in and out of good plays for the pressure. You, I mean, if it's Eric Stokes and Russell Douglas and it's Kevin King and Dime, like even after they benched Kevin King, the Vikings still went after him. So I think I think there's a pretty good case for Jair Alexander. Yeah, you made a really, really good case there, Peter. And and you know, after hearing your points, I'm like, duh, I should have thought of Jair. I just, <laughs> Um, when you're thinking about this team though, it, it was another game of, okay, it's down to the defense. Can they get the offense, the ball back? There was a 10 second glimmer of hope. There was right. on that pick that would, they be- did until they didn't. Yeah, right. And, <laughs> and so again, I think there's going to be a game or games even, you know, later in the season where it's going to be like, okay, the offense did their job. We just need one stop. Can we make it? And if they have another guy like a Justin Jefferson or a really talented wide receiver, even a tight end, it's who's going to cover these guys. And sadly that was not the case on Sunday, but there could be a game down the line where, yeah, that secondary is going to have to come up huge. So I think Jair would, yeah, whenever he comes back, it's going to be a huge boost. And just the, the, the flexibility he gives you defensively, I just think can't be understated. I mean, you can do whatever you want because he can play however you want. And, and that is just, you don't have to be covering up for guys deficiencies like you do, even with Russell Douglas, who I think has been good. Um, and definitely with Kevin King, who's been wildly inconsistent to be diplomatic, I guess. Um, yes. I, I'm trying to look at the NFC contenders and I'm struggling to tier them because the Rams just got their butts kicked. Uh, the Buccaneers have lost two in a row. The Packers beat the Cardinals. They get whooped last week with uh, a backup quarterback for the Panthers and but have have beaten two good teams with their backup quarterbacks. Oh, Seattle might not be very good. I feel like Green Bay, if Green Bay can get the guys that we think are coming back, if they get Bakhtiari back, if they get Zedarius back and they get Jair back, and those guys are together for the stretch run, I think they should be the favorites 
in the NFC, or at least they are the best team in the NFC. It's tough if you're not the one seed. Why, why or why not do you think that I'm right? You might not. No, I think you are right. I, I feel like there's just a special feel around this team, and it just stinks that you have such good players like a Tunyon, like an Elton, and mm. these guys are down for the year. And you know, whenever you know you have Z and, and Aaron Jones coming back, and those guys just hopefully the last quarter of the year coming back to help this team, I think they are very dangerous. And again, when you're looking at the rest of the NFC, I feel like you know, even though the Buccaneers have lost games, it's still Tom Brady. It's still going to be the postseason. He's still good. That defense is still good. Um, when you're looking at the Cardinals, Kyler Murray, who knows what can happen with him. And and these are all teams that are going to be going to be very dangerous, but I feel like consistently this Packers team has proven that out of the bunch, they are the best just consistently considering all the injuries that they've had to deal with. Not saying these teams have it. Um, I know the Cardinals overcame a bunch of injuries there uh, when they had Colt McCoy in his first game. So I just think with how they stack up against everybody, they have a really good shot, but they need those guys to come back and play up to their ability when they do come back. If you go back to week one and take that out, I don't think the Packers have played a bad game. And you can't say that about every other NFC team. You just can't. Like the Bucs just lost to Taylor Heineke. Yeah. So, I mean, that, and, and that is with all the injuries. I just, I, I, it doesn't feel yet like their year in sort of the way that it did last year, right? When toward the end of the season where you just sort of got that feeling. But I think you're right in to say that like th- there does feel like there is a special quality to this team. The resiliency, even on Sunday, I mean, they're down 16-3. And plenty of other teams would just be like, all right, well, this it's just not our day. And they didn't do that. I, like that, I think that speaks to the to the quality of the the leadership and the mental toughness on this team. Yeah, there was there was no quit. There was, you know, when they were down 16-3, there was no, okay, now we're gonna roll over. Now it's gonna be a repeat of week one against the Saints where they go right. and score 50 points. Um, and they didn't press offensively, thank correct. God. Because yeah. they could have gotten into the mode where it's just like, okay, Aaron, go bail us out. And they didn't do that. And, and exactly. And I think just what hurt them though was just the missed opportunities with those interceptions that they dropped and penalties, because that yeah. was just putting them behind the sticks a lot. But I think the the I guess concerning thing moving forward would be just special teams. It's Mason Crosby back in form because again, we've talked about it. The last two losses that they've had, nine points, three missed field goals. That's the difference. Yeah. Not saying he's not going to come through, but it's it's kind of when he's making a 54 yarder, but then missing a 32 yarder, it's what can we expect? And and he's been so consistent and so good. It's like I feel bad saying this about him, but it's if it comes down to a game with a kick, it's I think last year and beyond, we would have felt really comfortable and confident that we're going to win this game, but now not so much. I don't know what to do about it, but I said this yesterday. I said it on Twitter. They have a kicker problem. And that's not, I said after the the Bengals game that I would trust Mason Crosby with the game on the line. I think I would still trust Mason Crosby with the game on the line. If they needed a field goal against the Rams to beat them, I still think I would feel pretty good about it. He misses, but if he misses a clutch one like that, then I'm going to start to get worried. Like the Bengals game, I'm willing to say that was a weird thing. When he needs, needs to make it. I still think he will, but I think I'm putting a lot of faith in, in past performance on that one. So it's uh, it's tough quickly on the Rams. Um, when you, when you look at how these two teams match up there, there are mirror images in a lot of ways. They play a lot of a similar style. The Rams are healthier, although they did just lose Robert Woods for the season. If you're just going to boil it down to one thing that dictates the outcome of this game, putting you on the spot. So I'm sorry. 
what is what is that one thing? Uh, I would say protect Aaron Rodgers. I mean, don't let Aaron Donald and Von Miller get to him. They couldn't get after Jimmy Garoppolo and, you know, they did their thing. The Niners did. So protect Aaron Rodgers, especially with that turf, not turf toe, but his toe injury, keep him clean and, and they'll have success. That was the answer that I would have given. So I love that we're on the same page. Maybe that is a a good omen for this next week, um, where I will be, I will be at Lambeau field. For the first time in a long time. And I'll see you hopefully. Hopefully, hopefully. So we will be back next week to, to have some more fun on a bye week. Where's how you doing, Lily? I can't wait. Thanks as always. Thanks, Peter. All right. I want to thank Lily Zhao for joining the show. I'm going to thank everyone who makes Locked on Packers their first listen. Hit us up on Twitter with the hashtag first listen. We'll be back tomorrow. Sosa Kermenjus from Locked on Rams is going to join us to preview the matchup, the certainly the NFC matchup. Patriots Titans is another good one. The NFC matchup of this week before the Packers limp, limp to their bye. Uh, and, and then we'll have off on Thanksgiving back on Friday, Black Friday. That afternoon, we will go live and then, of course, live after the game on Sunday. I will be there. If you will be there, hit me up and come say hi. Would love to hear from you. Would love to see you. That would be great. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that. 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers.